Good evening, church. Maybe these earps aren't working. Good evening, church. There you go. I thought I heard you guys. How's everyone doing today, tonight? Can I invite you all to stand? And as our call to worship, we are going to read an entire psalm. For those who can't stand, stand with me. We're going to read the shortest chapter in the Bible, which also, interestingly enough, is smack in the middle of the Bible, Psalm 117. So on the count of three, let's all say this together and say this from our hearts with a little bit of gusto. I know, you know, Subi Church is not big on gusto, but let's try that a little bit, okay? Let's speak this psalm with a bit of emotion to it. One, two, three. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol Him, all you peoples. For great is His love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Let's praise Him together, church. Let's lift up His name. Let's extol our God. Let's clap our hands and lift them high and raise the name of our Lord high in this city and in this church. Let's sing together. this church how awesome is our God great are you Lord mighty and strength you are faithful and you will ever be we will praise you all of our days it's for your glory we offer everything raise your hands all you nations shout to god all creation how awesome is the lord most high where you send us where you send us God, we will go. You're the answer. We want the world to know. We will trust you when you call our name. And where you lead us, we'll follow all the way. So raise your hands, all you nations, shout to God of creation, how awesome is the Lord most high. We will praise you together, both now and forever. How awesome is the Lord most high. Hallelujah. the Lord most high. Hallelujah, hallelujah, how awesome is the Lord most high. Let's lift him up in this place, church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, oh, hallelujah, how awesome. 
Raise your hands. So raise your hands, all you nations. Shout to God, all creation. How awesome is the Lord most high. We will praise you together, both now and forever. How awesome is the Lord most high. Raise your hands. Your hands all your nations Shout to God all creation How awesome is the Lord most high We will praise you together Both now and forever How awesome is the Lord most high The Lord most You know the song, sing it. I will boast in Christ alone, His righteousness, and I will think to Christ my Lord, His mercy reigns now and forever. What can make 
thank you, O God, that you didn't stay in the grave, but you rose victorious over sin and death. That is our hope. That is our joy. That is why we praise. We thank you and we praise you. Jesus, my Savior's cross has 
set the sinner free. Oh, as a man, his name is Jesus. Oh, Christ be praised. I have victory. There'll be a that in you we have the victory over sin, over death and the grave. Thank you, Lord, that in you we have the hope of eternal life and a glorious future. We praise you and we glorify you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Welcome once again to Subi Church. Before you take your seat, why don't you greet someone next to you as well? Well, good evening, everybody. Good to be with you. Good to see you. And my name is Chin. I'm one of the pastors at Subi Church. And as you can see, this evening we have a baby dedication. It is always a joy when we can come together as God's people. And then we have parents coming forward uh, that want to dedicate their children to the Lord. So this evening we have John and Glenna to my far left. Uh, they are bringing Cassandra forward to be dedicated to the Lord. And then we have uh, David and Song Peng bringing Rebecca before the Lord. In Psalm 127, verse 3, this is what it says about children. Children are heritage from the Lord, an offspring a reward from Him. And one of the things that as followers of Christ we recognize and we uh, want to know and we uh, want to be reminded is that we, our children, ultimately, they belong to God. They don't belong to us, but God has given us that great gift and great blessing of children so that we can enjoy them, we can raise them up. Parents are given that great responsibility to do that, but also a wonderful privilege of enjoying our children. 
In First uh, Samuel chapter one, we have this story of Hannah being uh, dedicating Samuel to the Lord, and then we have the same thing happening with Mary and Joseph in Luke chapter two, where they bring Jesus into the temple to be dedicated to the Lord. So this is something that in the scriptures we see happening, and um, we are very very uh, thankful and blessed and encouraged that we have these parents coming forward to dedicate Rebecca and Cassandra to the Lord. Let me read from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So on the one hand, we are called to love the God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. We are to love God in that way. At the same time, we are to impress that upon our children. And as parents, that's what we are called to do, to impress the commands of God upon our children and to teach them about God's goodness and what He has done, in, uh, what he has done for us in and through Christ. So John, Glenna, David, Songpeng, let me ask you this one question. Will you commit to raise Rebecca up in the ways of the Lord? And will you commit to raise Cassandra up in the ways of the Lord, teaching them the knowledge of God's word and encouraging them to trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? We will. We will. Fantastic. And now let me turn to all of you here as a family in Christ together, as a family of God here in Subi Church. Let me ask you this one question. As a family of God in Christ, will you uphold these parents up in prayer? encouraging them to raise Rebecca and Cassandra up in the ways of God and supporting them through word and deed. And will you continue to pray for God's blessing to be upon Rebecca and Cassandra as they grow up and really to find their true joy and true strength in Jesus Christ? If you, if you do, please say, we will. Fantastic. Now we will pray for um, these two uh, couples and uh, family. First, we will pray for Rebecca. So her full name is Rebecca Chikondi Yangshen Gonway. So it is, as you can see, it is a fusion of two cultures coming together. So her name Chikondi means love, and then Yangshen means goodness. So one of the desires of the parents, what they want to do is for her to get to know the goodness and the love of God. So we're going to pray for Rebecca. So join with me in prayer. I invite you to pray silently in your seat as well as we pray, and then after that, we will pray for Cassandra. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you, and we thank you for Rebecca. For, we thank you for who she is. We thank you for giving her as a gift and a blessing to David and Songpeng. Now, Father, we continue to pray. Pray for her to grow and develop as well as she has over the last two years. We do pray that you will continue to help her to grow into a, a wonderful woman of God, someone who trusts you, someone who has faith in you and in your goodness. But in the meantime, Father, we also pray that for her, as she attends Subi Kids, as she learns more about you through Subi Kids, we do pray that she becomes more and more comfortable there and that she's able to make friends in Subi Kids. And ultimately, our desire and her parents' desire is for her to know Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And we pray for the parents as well. We pray for David. We pray for Songpeng. We pray that you help them to be patient, give them wisdom to be godly parents to her, help them to model what it means to follow you, to love you, 
And as she grows up as well, we pray that she will be obedient and she will grow to have the fruit of the Spirit in her, trusting uh, in Jesus Christ as she grows, as she comes to know you. And so, Father, we commit this family into your hands and commit David and Songping and Rebecca into your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well done. Well, let's pray for Cassandra. Let me get John and Glenna to come closer. Let's bow our heads and let's pray for Cassandra and John and Glenna. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you. We praise you for Cassandra. Lord, you know the journey they've taken uh, thus far for Cassandra. And we, so we praise you that you have brought her into this world. And Father, in many senses, her, the desire of the parents are really simple. That they just want Cassandra to come to know Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior. And so, Father, we do ask and pray for that. We ask and pray that you will bless her, bless her in knowing and following Christ as she grows up. And we also pray for the parents. We do pray that they will continue to be faithful in living out the gospel in their lives so that they will model, they will see, and they will shower love to Cassandra. May their home be a home of love, be a home where Jesus Christ uh, is glorified. And so, Father, we do ask and pray that Cassandra, as she grows up, she is able to experience the love of Christ, love of Christ here in her, in the, as a church and also in the home. And, Father, we pray for all of us here as Subi Church, as their family in Christ. May we continue to support them, love them, encourage them, Lord. As you know, it, there are days where it can be hard, but we do ask and pray that as a body of Christ, we come to support them and pray for them and encourage them whenever we can. And so, Father, we commit all these two families in your hands, in Jesus' name. Amen. Brilliant. So that's the certificate. That's Cassandra. That's for you. That's for you. All right. Thank you, everybody. Let's give them a hand as we get them. Evening, Subi Church. It's Scripture at Subi time. There you go. If you are new to Subi Church, we have this every month at the back of the cubby hole. You can pick up one of this for this month here. Are we ready to recite with the kids? Not many kids here because of school holiday, so we just have to fill in the blanks there. Okay, so let's do it with the books and then the chapter and the verses. Lamentations, chapter three, verse twenty-two to twenty-three. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. That's right. All right, the kids, now you can go to your classes now. The teachers are waiting upstairs for you. My name is Sean Kum. I'm one of the elders of Subi Church. Thank you for coming this evening. I know that there's a lot of empty seats here during school holiday. That's what we have. A lot of families are away on holidays, so we'll be welcoming back next week. We do have a connect card on your seat. If you're new here, you see one of these cards. Please fill it in uh, with your details if you're especially new members. And existing members too, please do that too. Or if you are more savvy with technology, you can just scan the QR code just in front of you at the seat. Just to let us know how you're going, any praise point, um, anything that you want us to pray for you. 
and any classes that you want to attend or anything that you want to help out in the Subi Church itself, you can actually put it all in there. Now it's time to come to offering. So offering is one of those things that we do at Subi Church. It's for the members of the church and also the people who call Subi Church home. We come here, we say thank you to the Lord, and we give back to the Lord what we have received from Him. We know that He blesses us, every family, every each one of us in different ways. So this is the way that we actually do it as Christ followers. So before we do that, let us pray. Father Lord, we thank you indeed of your mercy and your grace upon us and our families. And Lord, we thank you indeed that each morning we look towards a new day. We know that you are there to guide us and lead us. For that, Lord, we thank you indeed. We ask that, Lord, that you continue to help us, to guide us through this world. And, Lord, that we come back to you now to offer you a bit of the offerings back to your kingdom's work. So, Lord, we ask that you accept this so that we can extend Subi Church work and that we can extend to the community itself. Lord, we thank you indeed, and we pray all this in your son's Jesus' name. Amen. Just a few announcements coming up. Um, we have um, evangelistic courses coming up. As follow-up to the Easter service, we will be running two evangelistic courses. Please prayfully consider who you can invite and hear the good news about Jesus. Um, the two courses are simply Christianity, and the dates are four sessions, Sunday afternoon, starting from the 30th of April to the 21st of May. Time will be 12.15 to 1 p.m. Lunch will be provided. Again, on the Connect card itself, you can actually put down the details of who you want to bring or you, you yourself want to come and attend that. Christianity Explains is the second course. It's coming up on the fifth, uh, for five sessions, Tuesday evening, 2nd of May to the 30th of May. Time will be 7.15 to 8.45. Dinner will be provided. And we have a community, community um, coffee morning coming up on Saturday, the 22nd of April, 10 a.m. to 12 noon. And you'll be just outside in the church cafe. So this is a monthly outreach that we do in the local Subi community. Now, it's one of the things that we do now that we do have a congregation prayer. So if we do, um, come prepare for your heart and let's bow and then we can pray together. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer, acknowledging that you are the Lord of all creation. From the heights of heaven to the depths of earth, all things belong to you, and you alone sustain them by your mighty power and infinite grace. We recognize that our very lives are a gift from you, and we praise you for the privileges of knowing you and serving you. Lord, you have made us for a purpose to glorify you and enjoy you forever. We confess that this purpose was lost through sin, but we rejoice that in your great love, you have provided a way for us to be restored to fellowship with you and to fulfill the very purpose of which we were created. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life to redeem us and make us new. As we go about our daily lives, we pray that we would not come, we will become self-reliant or become dependent on ourselves, but we want to be dependent on you. Help us to look to the world 
for our nourishment and to seek and to seek your will in all things. We thank you that we, when we pray in faith, you hear us and answer us according to your good and perfect will. Lord, just as the earthly parents who love their children know how to give good gifts to them, we trust in your goodness and provision for our very need. Help us to trust in you more fully, to rely on your grace and power, and to live for the glory in that we do. Thank you for the Good Friday and Easter services where we see and hear, where we can many have hear the gospel and praise you. Help us grow in the understanding of our salvation through Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Thank you for the blessed assurance of the forgiveness and the eternal life that we have in Jesus and for your boundless grace and mercy to us. We pray that those who do not know you receive the gospel message with open ears and hearts. May they be open to the gospel and discover the truth, life, hope in Jesus through simply Christianity and Christianity Explore courses coming up. We pray for all our church that we will never leave your son or your gospel behind. Help us as a church to speak, teach, preach your perfect word faithfully and clearly. Let us never cease to be the light in the community. Help each of us to confess to our sins to you every day, to teach our children of your salvation and your faithfulness to be led by the gospel and the example set by, for us by your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. All this we pray in your Son's Jesus' name. Amen. Good evening, church. Um, this week's Bible reading is taken from Isaiah 44, verse 6 to 11, then verses 21 to 23. This is what the Lord says, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I'm the first and I'm the last. Apart from me, there is no God. Who then is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and lay out before me. What has happened since I established my ancient people? and what is yet to come. Yes, let them foretell what will come. Do not tremble, do not be afraid. Did I proclaim this and foretell it long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any God beside me? Besides me? No, there is no other rock. I know not one. All who make idols are nothing, and the things they treasure are worthless. Those who speak up for them are blind. They are ignorant to their own shame. Who shapes a god and casts an idol, which can profit nothing? People who do that will be put to shame. Such craftsmen are only human beings. Let them all come together and take their stand. They will be brought down to terror and shame. And then verses 21 to 23. Remember these things, Jacob, for you, Israel, are my servant. I have made you. You are my servant. Israel, I will not forget you. I have swept away your offences like a cloud, your sins like a morning mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Sing for joy, you heavens, for the Lord has done this. 
Shout aloud, you earth beneath. Burst into song, you mountains, you forests, and all your trees. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob. He displays his glory in Israel. Well, good evening, everyone. Good to be with you. Good to always... Wonderful to be with God's people every weekend. My name is Chin. In case you're visiting with us today, we are glad that you could join us. And I pray that last, for those of you who are here for our Good Friday and Easter weekend services, I do pray that you were encouraged, you were um, able to worship God together. Now, before we get into the sermon, uh, there are two things I wanted to bring to your attention, two things that I wanted to bring to our minds before we get there. The first is... What's coming up this coming Wednesday is the Hour of Prayer. It's the Hour of Prayer that's happening on the 19th of April from 7 to 8 p.m. This, this coming Wednesday here in the church cafe. Now, we worship a God who listens to us because of what Christ has done. Now, there's always a good thing uh, because of that, that God's people, we come together and we pray. Now, I've been attending the Hour of Prayer for a good number of years. And usually, I am one of the youngest one there. And I'm not very young. So what I want you to do, what I want to encourage you to do, and challenge many of you, if you are able to this coming Wednesday, to come along, to come and pray together. Come and pray together as a family in Christ, particularly in this season of the life of the church. Now, many of you recognize that we are in a season of transition. And as a church, what we need to do is to pray continually and ask God wisdom as we uh, go through this season. And we want to do that. We want to do that as a church because as a church, I'm pretty sure we can do better as a church to pray to God together. So let me invite you to come this coming Wednesday and pray together. If you have never prayed out loud before, that's okay. You can come and pray silently or you can come and learn how to pray out loud with you know, other Christians who are there. And even your mere presence will be a great encouragement to those who are here. And one of the things that we have done over the last uh, few years as we've done it is to set up a Zoom link for those who are unable to uh, join us physically. And part of the reason why we did that was because of uh, the COVID restrictions that, uh, during the pandemic. But now those restrictions have lifted. And so we don't have to do that anymore. So from this hour of prayer onwards, we will not be doing Zoom link anymore. So we are not sending out uh, Zoom link anymore because we want all of you to come physically to come physically and pray together. That hour will be the best hour of your week because we're coming to commune with God, to speak to God together, to pray to God. It's only one hour. You'll be surprised how fast it goes. Uh, and so let me challenge, let me encourage you to come if you are able to, to spend the best hour of your week to pray together um, with God's people. And that's going to be this coming Wednesday, our prayer, 7 to 8 p.m. in the church cafe. Now, the second thing to let you know is that we have been, as a church, we've been going through a series on the book of Romans. Uh, and because of school holidays, we're going to have a short pause on that uh, series. And we're, we're going to be looking through the book of Psalms these two weeks, today and next week. And then after that, when school starts again, we will begin our, uh, we'll continue our series on the book of Romans. So today we're looking at one of the Psalms in Psalm 115, but let me pray, and then we'll begin and see what God has to say to us. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you for this opportunity. We can gather as your people. 
And now as we hear from you, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let me start and let me begin with someone who's famous, someone who is renowned, renowned for his cycling abilities. Let's start with Lance Armstrong. That is a household name for many of us. Right? He is considered to be a sports icon for winning Tour de France, which was you know, the most prestigious cycling tournament in the world. And he's won that tournament seven times in a row, seven consecutive times. And it wasn't just the fact that he won it seven times in a row that's uh, special, that made him famous. It was also the fact that he won this tournament after recovering from a pretty advanced stage of testicular cancer. Right? This cancer has really spread to his lymph nodes, to his lungs and his brains and his stomach. And when he was diagnosed, doctors gave him almost no hope in surviving that cancer. But against all odds, he survived. He managed to recover. And he started training once again for his cycling career. And in 1997, in February 1997, he was declared to be cancer-free. And he started training seriously for cycling once again. And he won his first Tour de France in 1999. And when he first became famous and won a Tour de France, he was seen as a role model because he's someone who survived cancer. And he's able to thrive after that. That's an inspiring story, isn't it? People hear that story. They look up to him. For many people in and outside the world of cycling, Lance Armstrong became an inspiring story. He became their idol. They wanted to be like him. But it all came apart in 2005 when he was accused and then later proven to be true that he took performance-enhancing drugs in his cycling career. That's doping, and as you know, it is highly illegal in all forms of sports. It, is a it was a huge news when was, this was reported. It's all over the news, all over the newspaper. And because of this, he was stripped of his seven Tour de France title. And this news devastated so many people because, well, he was their idol. They looked up to him. They ins he inspired them, but he failed them. Their idol failed them. And today we're looking at Psalm 115. Great psalm that for many are a little bit unfamiliar. It is a psalm that talks about idols and the God of the Bible. And what the psalmist wants us to do in this psalm is to push us not to trust in idols, but to trust in the God of the Bible, to trust in Yahweh. He draws a contrast between those two. So I'm going to read from Psalm 115. If you have your own Bibles, please turn with me there, and I'll read the whole psalm. And when I read this psalm, one of the things I want you to notice is that when I read the word Lord, you see that it's in small caps, small capital letters. And usually when that happens in our Bible, that's referring to God's covenantal name that was revealed to God's people in Exodus chapter 3. And God's name is Yahweh. And that name is a reminder of God's love and God's relationship with His people. He's, just not any, he's not just any God out there. He's a personal God who has made great promises to these people. All right, so 
Throughout my sermon, I will try to use that name, Yahweh, in place of Lord, to remind us of that special connection. And as I read that, you'll notice that as well. So Psalm 115, let me invite you to stand, if you are able, and I'll read Psalm 115. Psalm 115. Not to us, Lord, not to us, Yahweh, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. Why do the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases Him. But their idols are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, noses but cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel, feet but cannot walk, nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. All you Israelites, trust in Yahweh. He is their help and shield. House of Aaron, trust in Yahweh. He is their help and shield. You who fear Him, trust in Yahweh. He is their help and shield. Yahweh remembers us and will bless us. He will bless His people Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear Yahweh, small and great alike. May Yahweh cause you to flourish, both you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The highest heaven belongs to Yahweh, but the earth He has given to mankind. It is not the dead who praise Yahweh, those who go out into the place of silence, but it is we who extol the Lord. It is we who extol Yahweh, both now and forevermore. Praise the Lord. Praise Yahweh. And in Hebrew, that's hallelujah. You may be seated. It is a great psalm, a psalm that gives us a contrast between idols and Yahweh, the God of the Bible. And verse 1 of Psalm 115 is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. Not to us, Yahweh, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. A short verse, but a verse that's packed with significance, packed with biblical truth, biblical heart. And in some sense, it is really an antidote to all the problems that's happening in our world today. And for some people, reading that verse is it's a very jarring experience because it is so completely opposite to what we're hearing in our world today. And the rest of the psalm is really just an unpacking of this verse. Not to us, Yahweh, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. And then he goes on, he talks about idols. So the first point and the first thing that we see from this psalm is this. Idols promise much but cannot deliver. Idols promise much but cannot deliver. And the psalmist, he begins with the idols of their culture. And the idols of their day are made with silver and gold, made with human hands. Now, we're not given an exa- the exact identity and shape of these idols, but in the way that it's been described, you notice that these idols, they have mouths and eyes and nose and ears and hands and feet and throats. And from appearance alone, it would seem like these idols are supposed to be able to speak and see and hear and smell and feel and walk. And one of the ways that these idols are worshipped in those days 
is that what people would do is that they would bring a sacrifice to specific idols to ask for specific blessings. To give you an example, during the days of the Roman Empire, people worshipped, they recognised multitude of gods and goddesses. One of them, one of these gods, is the god of Jupiter, where they believed that he oversaw all aspects of life. And so when they want blessing from Jupiter, they would sacrifice and bring us a blessing to uh, Jupiter. And supposedly, he will be blessing these people. And the presence of these idols was everywhere, in every aspect of their lives. And people would have built temples for these gods. They would have rituals and festivals to honor and celebrate these gods. And they would go through these specific rituals, specific festivals, because they want blessing from these gods. Otherwise, they would not receive these blessings from God. So it could be the god of fertility if they want to have babies. They will sacrifice to the god of fertility or the god of wisdom for their schooling, god of crafts when, if they are carpenter. Individual families would, their, would have their own idols at home to worship. So it was a part and parcel of everyday life. But the psalmist comes and says, in their day, even though these idols, they have the appearance of eyes and ears and nose and hands and feet and throat, even though they looked promising that these idols could speak and see and hear and smell and feel and make a sound, they could not do any of those things. Idols promise much but cannot deliver. And if you think about it, how can they deliver when they are merely the creation of human hands? In our Bible reading in Isaiah chapter 44, Isaiah shows us how nonsensical it is to make and worship an idol. So let me read from parts of Isaiah 44, a few verses are, you know, after our Bible reading. And as I read this, just imagine this, and this is meant to sound absurd. It's not meant to make any sense. Right? This is what Isaiah says in chapter 44, verse 13. The carpenter measures a line and makes an outline with a marker. He rusts it up with chisels and marks it with compasses. He shapes it in human form, human form in all of his glory, that he may dwell in a shrine. He cut down cedars, uh, perhaps took up cypress or oak. He let it grow among the trees of the forest or planted a pine. The rain made it grow. It is used for fuel for burning. Some of it he takes and warms himself. He kindles a fire and breaks, bakes bread. But he also fashions a god and worships it. He makes an idol and bows down to it. Half of the wood he burns in the fire. Over it he prepares his meal. He rolls his meat and eats his fuel. He also warms himself and says, Ah, I am warm. I see the fire. From the rest, he makes a god, his idol. He bows down to it and worships. He prays to it and says, Save me, you are my god. You notice how absurd that is? To worship something that we ourselves created. Right? The carpenter, he measures and chisels out these idols in the human form, only to be put in a shrine to be worshipped. And then, you know, they plant trees, they grow trees, they cut it down, they use it as fuel to burn, to warm themselves, and then at the same time, using the same material, fashions a god out of it and worships that material. And then finally, we have this person makes a god out of wood 
the same wood that he uses to warm himself and makes bread, he bows down to an idol, to that idol from the same material, and he says, save me, you are my God. It's meant to sound absolutely ridiculous. The idols, they promise so much in their appearance, but they cannot do any of those things. Idols cannot speak, cannot see, cannot hear, cannot smell, cannot feel, cannot walk, cannot love, cannot bless. How could they? And the people who worship these idols through rituals and festivals in the hopes of being blessed by these gods, they are doing it in futility. Idols promise much, but cannot deliver. In fact, verse 8, those who make them and trust in them will be like them. In other words, we become what we worship or we become what we trust in. That hasn't changed today. We still have idols today. We still have idolatry today. Idolatry, put it simply, is the worship of created things rather than God himself. And the worship of idols looks very different today compared to what they were like 2,000 years ago. At its core, it's still the same. Idols promise much, but they cannot deliver. It was part and parcel of their daily lives 2,000 years ago, and idol worship is still part and parcel of our lives today. And if we don't worship these idols of our world, people look at us funny. People think we're strange. And some people will be angry with us and hit us with penalties because we refuse to bow down to these idols. The idols of our world, they promise much in their appearance they look like they can fulfill all these things for us, but they cannot. Let me read you a quote. It's a relatively long quote, but a very insightful quote. This is a quote from David Foster Wallace. He was an American novelist, American writer. He's not a Christian, but he's someone who had great insights into the human heart. And this is what he says about modern-day idolatry. He says this, in the day-to-day -day trenches of adult life, there's no such thing as atheism. There's no such thing as not worshipping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And an outstanding reason for choosing some sort of God or spiritual type of worship to worship is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough, never feel you have enough. That's the truth. Worship your own body and beauty and sexual allure, and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you'll die a million deaths before they finally plant you. Worship power, and you'll feel weak and afraid, and you will need ever more power over others to keep the fear at bay. Worship your intellect, being seen as smart, you'll end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. He understood the human heart. Idols promise much but cannot deliver. Money promises so much blessing to us. But as we worship at the altar of money, we sacrifice more and more to, to satisfy this God. Right? We sacrifice our 
time with family to work more. We sacrifice friends when they don't help us to gain more money. We sacrifice our own moral values when we prioritize more and more earnings. But in the end, money cannot deliver what it promises. It cannot give us true security in life. No amount of money can cure that terminal cancer that you may have. No amount of money can rebuild that marriage that you lost. No amount of money can buy back your soul once you've lost it. Now, for many of us, it is easy for us to recognize the idolatry of money. But there are other idols in our lives that are a little bit harder for us to recognize. One of them is making an idol out of our children. For some people, at all costs, at all costs, we want them to be healthy and happy and successful. We want them to have the best education, best at sports, get the greatest achievements. And so what do we do? We cater to their every whim, or we pressure them to study really hard to have great academic achievement, or we pressure them to train really hard at sports. Or to put it in a Christian context, maybe we want them to really, really know God, and so we pressure them to come to church to do all that we can. We pressure the church to provide all sorts of discipleship programs for the children or give them enough entertainment at church so that I don't have to worry about them. And if we ask the parents a little bit more to help with their discipleship, no, 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 it's too hard, too, too much time. I can't do it because they have this and that class going on. If we have our children as our idols, what ends up happening is that we exhaust ourselves in trying to do all of those things, or if our children does not measure up to the image that we have for them, we feel despair. We get angry at them. And what do you think will happen to the relationship between the parents and the children? Idols, they promise so much, but they cannot deliver. Now, don't get me wrong, of course, children are great gifts from God. As we saw just now in baby dedication, they ultimately belong to God. We recognize that. They are God's gift to us. But that's precisely it. They are God's gift to us. We don't worship the gift. We worship the giver. We worship God. We model what it means to love God to our children. Idols are indeed in our world today. Idols that demand our sacrifice to secure its blessings, so to speak. They promise much, but they cannot deliver. A common, another common idol for many Christians is the idol of politics. Right? We speak or pray as though if we can get some Christians or some Christian values being introduced to the government, that's going to be revival in the land. Everything's going to be okay. That's also the idol of our smartphone or the, you know, social media, where these things are supposed to make us more connected to the rest of the world. But what ends up happening and what they have done is to make people feel more and more disconnected and discontented. They promise much, but they cannot deliver. And that's why the psalmist said he contrasts these idols with Yahweh, this covenantal God, who himself has made great promises to his people. But unlike these idols, the difference between these idols and these, this God, this 
Yahweh is that this God of the Bible, He is in heaven. He does whatever He pleases. Unlike the idols, which are completely worthless, useless, powerless, Yahweh is completely different, sovereign, in control over all things. That's why we come to our second point. The Lord, or Yahweh, delivers what the idols cannot. The Lord delivers what the idols cannot. That's the contrast here. Look at Psalm verses 2 and 3. Why do the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases Him. See, unlike idol worship, we worship a God who is in heaven. He is in heaven. And idol worship is worshipping something that we can see here on earth. But the God of the Bible, Yahweh, He is in heaven. In fact, He has explicitly told us not to worship or make any image of Him here on earth. And that's why for the nations, when they look at Christians, those who follow God, they ask, where is their God? They, they can't see the God that we worship. The God that they worship, they can see that God. They can see the idols. For Christians, we can't see that God. Because the God that we worship is in heaven. This is one of the reasons why the earliest Christians in the New Testament, they were considered to be atheists by the people in those days, by some people in those days. Because, well, we have no shrine, we have no temple, we don't, don't have an image that we bound on to worship. And Christians refused to worship the traditional gods of the society at that time. And thus, in those days, Christians were considered to be atheists by some people. And that's completely radical behavior. And of course, naturally, people took offense at that, took offense at Christians because they don't worship these gods. If you don't worship these gods, how can we be blessed by these gods? And so people get angry at Christians. They were not only, Christians were not only strange and weird because they don't worship any idol, People were angry and people will be hostile to them. And if you think about that, not that much different today, is it? When we refuse to bow down to the idols of our world today, there's often hostility, often anger towards us. They take offense at us, thinking that we have angered the gods of this world when we don't conform to the rituals and the festivities that are expected of us, and at the very least, of our refusal to worship these idols makes us look strange and weird to the rest of the world. Who are these people who don't do these things, who value things so completely differently from the rest of the world? Make no mistake, we do look strange to people from outside the church. And part of the reason why that is the case is because while we worship God who is in heaven. And unlike these idols, Yahweh delivers what the idols cannot. Now look at, let's look at verse 12. The Lord Yahweh remembers us and blesses us. He will bless His people Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. This is the living God who has made all things, the God of the universe, as verse 16 says. You know, the highest heaven belongs to the Lord. This God, this God Almighty, God of the universe, He remembers us. And this is not a God made out of wood or silver or gold, 
but one who is sovereign in control of all things. He remembers us. He blesses us. There's no greater being that can bless us. And all the things that we wish the idols of the world would provide for us, security, meaning, pleasure, belonging, blessing, Yahweh, God, has delivered on those blessings and promises. He is, after all, sovereign, in control. He does whatever He pleases. And His promise is that He will bless His people, small and great alike. No matter who you are, no matter what background you have, no matter what language you speak, no matter what status you hold in your job, small and great alike, God will bless you. Verse 14, May the Lord cause you to flourish, both you and your children. That's the kind of God we worship. It's not the dead that praises the Lord, but those who trust in this God. And that's why right at the heart of this psalm, right at the heart of this psalm, you have the repeated call to trust in Yahweh. At the heart of what this psalmist wants his readers to do, to know, and to act, is for them to trust in Yahweh, to trust in this God who could deliver what the idols cannot. Let me read verses 9 to 11 once again. All you Israelites, trust in Yahweh. He is their help and shield. House of Aaron, trust in Yahweh. He is their help and shield. You who fear Him, trust in Yahweh. He is their help and shield. This repeated call for people to trust in Yahweh is right at the heart of this psalm. He calls all of God's people, all you Israelites, trust in Yahweh. That's all of us here. Trust in Yahweh. He is our help. He is our shield. House of Aaron, priests who serve in the temple, trust in Yahweh. All those of you who are here, leaders in ministry, leaders from small group to subi kids, anyone with any sort of leadership influence, trust in Yahweh. He is your help and shield. Those who fear the Lord, Gentiles, those who are outsiders coming into covenant community to fear the God of Israel. Trust in Yahweh. And for us today, it could be those people from outside the church who have just come visiting us, finding out more about this God, especially those of you who are here this evening. After attending our Easter services, you're here just to come and see what it's all about. The call is for you to trust in Yahweh. He is your help and shield. Turn away from the idols of this world. They cannot satisfy, cannot bless, cannot deliver what they promise. Trust in Yahweh. And this God remembers us, blesses us, causes and our children to flourish. And this God has blessed us in the greatest way possible, greatest way possible in the person of His Son, in Jesus Christ. And He has sealed that love in us, in our hearts by His Spirit. Through Christ, He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. He has not withheld any blessing from us. In Christ, we have security, we have meaning, we have pleasure, we have belonging, we have blessing. We have the favor of God Almighty, propitiated by the death of Christ on the cross. 
And through the resurrection of Christ, we are adopted into the family of God, having God as our Heavenly Father. Not just God, He is our Heavenly Father. We may not experience the full measure of all these blessings right now, but one day we will. One day we will in the new creation. And so we trust Him. We trust in God instead of idols. And when we trust Him in that way, what happens? All glory goes to God and God alone. And we come back to Psalm chapter 115, verse 1. Come back to verse 1. Not to us, Yahweh, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. We don't put any glory in anything else here on earth, including ourselves. Glory must not be to us. It must be to God and God alone. Let me finish with this story. This story from Randy Alcorn about his wife, Nancy. So Randy Alcorn is a prolific author who has written many books. Uh, He started and founded a ministry. He lost his wife, Nancy, to colon cancer in March 2022 after a four-year battle with that cancer. But throughout those four years, he said that he saw Nancy meditate on Scripture daily. She would read great books about God. She would write journals about her personal reflections. One morning after her reflection and after her meditation on Psalm 119, she shared with him what she wrote in her journal. This is what she wrote. My cancer is God's servant in my life. He is using it in ways he has revealed to me and in many more I have yet to understand. I can rest knowing my cancer is under the control of a sovereign God who is good and who does good. What a sentence. My cancer is God's servant in my life. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Eight months after her cancer diagnosis, she she said this in her journal. I honestly would not trade this cancer experience to go back where I was. These last months have been used by God to propel me into a deeper understanding and experience of His sovereignty, wisdom, steadfast love, mercy, grace, faithfulness, imminency, trustworthiness, and omnipotence. And when she knew she was about to die, she gathered the family around her. She spoke her final words to them. And Randy, he he took her journal and he would read her journal to everyone. One of her grandsons said after that, Gramps, if you can trust God in this, I know I can trust Him whatever I'll go through. She did not idolize her life or her health. Instead, what she did was to trust in the Lord. He is her help and shield. Not to us, Lord. Not to us. But to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. Let us pray. Father God, we read this chapter and read verse 1 of 
Psalm 115, what an amazing and challenging and convicting verse all the same. That all glory be to you. It is not to us, not to us. Help us not to worship the idols of our day, to resist that, but instead to turn to you in repentance, to turn to you in trust, knowing that you are the God who is in heaven, the God who does whatever he, you please, but a God who has promised great things for us and has secured those blessings for us in Christ. And so, Father, by your Spirit, raise the affections of our hearts to Christ all the more. Help us to see that He is our true help and shield, the one who has secured all blessings to us from you. He is our security, our meaning, our King, our Lord, our Saviour. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We come to a time where we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And one of the ways that we express all glory be to God is through our celebration of the Lord's Supper. Because one of the things that it does as we take the Lord's Supper is that we are reminded of God's love, of God's grace to us in Christ. When we take the bread, when we take the cup, we are not proclaiming ourselves. And what we're doing is that we're proclaiming Jesus Christ. And in Psalm 115, we read that this Yahweh, He remembers us, He will bless us, and He has done that in Jesus. He has not forgotten us. He has blessed us in Christ, who so died on the cross for our sins, and He rose again for our justification. And so when we come to celebrate the Lord's Supper, let's remember the words of Paul from 1 Corinthians 11. He says this, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. And so that's what we are going to do right now as a body of Christ. To take the bread, the body of Christ given to us, and to drink the cup, the blood of Christ shed for us. If you're here this evening, you're not a Christian, we ask that you remain seated. Please don't feel pressure to take. We are just glad that you're here this evening. But for those of us who are Christians, who look at Christ as our Lord and Savior, this is our opportunity to come to give glory to God through our celebration of the Lord's Supper. Let me invite you, the first few rows to stand, to come forward to receive the elements. Please hold the bread and hold the cup, and we will partake them together.
This is the body of Christ given to us. Let's take together. And this is the blood of Christ shared for us. Let's drink together. Let us pray. Father, once again, we thank you for this gospel promise in Christ. That he has died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. That in and through him, we can call you our loving Heavenly Father. We praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I invite you to stand as we worship our faithful God?
faithfulness of God to us, isn't it, in Christ. And I pray and hope that you are blessed this evening as we hear about that great gospel message of Jesus and that we are to trust in Yahweh. If you're here, you do need prayer. You want someone to pray with and for you, please come to the front. Um, David and I will be around. We'll be more than happy to pray with and for you as well. And for those of us who've been in Subi Church for a long time, if there's somebody here that you've seen and you don't know them, let me encourage you to go and say hi to them. Go and make friends. Because one of the things that we want to do as a church is that we want to be a people who are hospitable, people who know each other, especially the family of God. Let me send you off and uh, end with this benediction from Psalm 115. May the Lord, may Yahweh cause you to flourish. May you, both you and your children, may you be blessed by Yahweh, the maker of heaven and earth, now and forevermore. Amen.